and welcome to And Seen. I'm Elisa, and I'm here as always with my amazing husband, Dan. And we have a really fun episode for you today. We are going to start off by talking about Midsummer, which is Ari Aster's follow up to Hereditary, which you all know by now was probably the scariest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> And then we're going to jump into the world of Quentin Tarantino. Uh, we've been talking about his new film, Once Upon a Time, for months, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Correct. sorry, um, for months now, and it's coming out this weekend. So we thought that the best way to kind of hype ourselves up over it is to talk Quentin Tarantino and rank his eight core films. Absolutely. Tarantino has famously said his career is going to be 10 movies and 10 movies only, and then he's going to retire. This will be number nine. We'll be talking about our first eight, and also whether or not we think he's full of shit when he says that. Uh, more to come on that. <laughs> all right, so before we jump into all of that, let's talk about some... News, talking about news, that's all in the news. So since we last had an episode, there's been a ton of movie news. Last week was San Diego's Comic-Con, and there's all kinds of franchise news, casting news. As you'll see coming up, a lot of trailers released. Uh, we could probably have a whole episode just on based on recent news, but I think the most important is what runs... What is the main thing in movies right now? It's Marvel. And Marvel released their Phase 4 lineup at Comic-Con. So I think what we're going to do is take a couple minutes, go over Phase 4, all of the titles, which include movies and streaming television shows, and just dissect uh, what they are, who's been cast in them, and what we think. Yeah, I mean, this announcement caused some waves uh, on social media as soon as it came out. It was pretty much all anyone could talk about. So let's jump in. Uh, the first movie that's slated to come out as part of Phase 4 is uh, in May 2020, and that is Black Widow. Now, this is a movie we already knew was in the works. We already knew this was happening. Yes. Uh, we just didn't... Did we know a release date before? I don't, know if, I don't think we had the exact date. We okay. knew We knew it was next up. But the movie's basically just called Black Widow, and... Um, We'll get to see her origin story. I imagine we'll see some of Hawkeye in there as well. I hope we will at least. Um, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah. I want to be more excited about this one than I actually am. I don't want to see a story of a character that I know kind of where they end up going. Like, at no point in the film will I ever be, like, worried about her stakes. Because I know that she goes on to... You can, ruin, you can ruin Endgame by now. Like, if you haven't seen Endgame already, like, I'm sorry. You're well past <laughs> the spoiler issue here. So Black Widow so. dies in Endgame, but because I know that, I know that she's never really in real danger in this film. And for me, that like, there's still going to be cool stuff. I'll still see it. Um, but I kind of felt the same way about Spider-Man, too. I don't want an origin story after the character... Well, Spider-Man, I guess, is going to keep going. Yeah, Spider-Man is not. But I don't like going back in time. I don't. I want to go forward. So I, I actually disagree with you on that. I think that people really enjoy meeting someone and then learning about their backstory later. And like, I think they strategically chose to. Uh, I think they strategically chose to kill her in Endgame kind of to peak people's interest in like, okay, well, what's what's the deal with everything else that happened? And that's why I say I think that Hawkeye's going to be in it because they talk about in every movie Their Budapest yeah. and whatever that is, and they don't tell you what it is. So I imagine we got to learn about that in this movie. And also Marvel has not done 
uh, they've kind of done a disservice to this character. I think it's probably the most underwritten character in the in the Marvel cinema so far. So this kind of gives us a chance to learn a lot more about her because we don't know anything right now. Exactly. All right, moving on. The next thing that they're going to be releasing in fall 2020 is The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, this is going to be streaming on Disney+. Plus. So uh, we were introduced to the new Winter Soldier at the end of Endgame. And um, I guess this is how they're going to tell their story. Yeah, Disney Plus is going to be a really big deal. Um, I actually recommend buying stock in Disney right now. I think Disney is going to take over the world even more than they already own it right now. Yeah, I I agree with you. Although I really don't want to pay for another subscription service, but we can talk about that another time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What do you think of this? I... I, I probably won't watch it. I'm going to be very honest. Like, I'm not invested enough in that to to add another TV show to my list unless, like, everyone says it's the best thing that's ever happened. It's also interesting that they're calling this the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and not Captain America and the Winter Soldier. A lot of people just kind of assumed that Anthony Mackie was going to take over the title Captain America from Steve Rogers. Uh, he's not, or at least not according to the it title. Seem that way. Uh, there's some canon in the comic books that say eventually the Falcon and the Winter Social are both able to use the shield. So that could be the direction that they're going in. All right, interesting. Uh, just a couple um, fun tidbits. Also, uh, Daniel Bruhl, who was in the original Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier, I believe, was the one he was in. He will be back. He's a good actor. Um, yeah. Meh. Meh. We'll see what happens. I think we'll probably take this on the word of other people who watch it before us. It's hard to say mad at anything Marvel does because they just, they're a well-oiled machine. They know how to make things. But like in terms of a TV show, like it's a a different kind of decision-making process for me, I think. A TV show versus a movie. I want to save my meh for another TV show we're going to talk about coming up. Okay. But (laughs) next up we have another another film. Um, Yeah, another film. And this is The Eternals. I'm excited for this one. Of everything in this uh, phase, this is the one I'm the most excited about. So uh, let's pull up the cast list for this uh, right now. Do you have that in front of you, Dan? I do. The cast includes Angelina Jolie. Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjiani, Lauren Ridloff, Brian Tyree Henry, Selma Hayek, Leah McHugh, and Don Lee. Uh, very notable, there's only one white male in that cast. It's a very diverse cast. Great. Um, Lauren Ridloff is a very good deaf actress. Um, you all kinds of uh, cultures are represented, and it's directed uh, by Chloe Zhao, who they're plucking from the equivalent of a of a major league team pulling a player from single A and bringing him all the way up to the major. She directed a very, very independent film called The Rider. I actually did see it. It's extremely well directed, but going from something so small to something of... So they're taking a risk on her. They are, but I think they know what they're doing. I don't think... I think they've proven they know what they're doing. And I also think that like she's going to have lots of help from the studio to make sure that this comes this out very it. well. Yeah. They have a well-oiled machine, like you said, so... Sorry, our dog is squeaking his toy. We- <laughs> <laughs> it's his favorite toy. He doesn't stop. We're sorry. And if we take it away, he'll just be louder. Um, yeah, of all the things I think I'm most excited about this, strictly for the cast, I know nothing about the Eternals. Um, I don't know. No, anything. comic book wise, I, I I never heard of it before until they announced that it was going to be a movie. Me neither. But it seems like they have it has all the star power. They, 
we've talked about this before with Robert Downey Jr. leaving, with Chris Evans leaving. Marvel needs some star power, and it looks like they're investing in this to kind of get it. I think they have serious star power there, and I, I'm excited to see how it all comes together. Next uh, up, I'll yeah. go with the next one, another film, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, another comic that I know nothing about. Yeah, absolutely nothing. I had no idea. Um, I had no idea this was a thing that even existed. Um, but it's an Asian superhero, and that's really cool. Asian superhero, um, Aquafina's going to be in it, Tony Leung is going to be in it, uh, it looks... Because Aquafina is in literally everything. Yeah, Aquafina, have yourself a year. Yes, yeah, seriously. Rachel, we, we got to get to the theater really soon to see the that indie film she's in. Uh, the Farewell. The Farewell, that's yes. probably what it's called. Yes, I'm really excited about that. But that's not what we're talking about right now. They plucked this guy, um, Simu, Simu Liu. He's a Canadian actor in a Canadian sitcom. Uh, he's of Asian descent, but the okay. sitcom is in is in Canada. Okay. They plucked him out of nowhere, and now he's front and center in a Marvel. All right, next up is another Disney Plus uh, series, and this is called WandaVision. Um, Dan, tell me your feelings on this one. Yeah, I told you I was going to save my meh for another television series. This is my meh. I don't like either of these characters. I don't like Vision. I don't really like Scarlet Witch. Uh, they have, they don't really do anything. They don't do anything. Like, no one asked for this. Yeah. Literally I, no one asked for this. I think this is kind of just, like, once you join the, the gang, they, they're not just going to, like, make these characters disappear. I guess, but, like, they could have, and no one would have been upset, I think. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, hands down, the two weakest characters in one show, maybe two negatives equal positive, I have no idea. Are they, and they have the same, I guess they have the same actors for this? Yeah, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany will be back for this. All right. So Elizabeth Olsen, who literally just does that one thing where she crouches over and waves and her like, hands around. <laughs> and, all, and, and sometimes the CGI has does a Russian everything. accent and sometimes doesn't. The, and yes, the first one has this Russian accent and then it was just like, like, I wasn't oh, really never good. Mind. She's, it's almost like she heard people ripping her Russian accent. She's like, all right, I'm not oh. going to do that anymore. Um, all right, so I think we can skip over that yeah, one. Yeah, we're going to start moving a little faster because yeah. we don't want a two-hour episode. Uh, next uh, up is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. This is a feature film. It's the next one in the Doctor Strange series, obviously. The interesting thing about this is this was announced as Marvel's first horror movie. Yeah. I mean, Doctor Strange is the perfect character to to try out a horror movie with, I think. I agree. Um we, we never saw the, fir the first Doctor Strange. We only know him from the Avengers movies. When we were catching up on the Marvel films so we could actually know what we were talking about, we watched most of them, but there were some that we just read the Wikipedia yeah, synopsis. Yeah, sorry. We, we were under a time crunch before Endgame, and we didn't quite get around to all of them. And unfortunately, Doctor Strange is one of the ones that we didn't get to. Um, but that being said, I'm very intrigued by this movie. Well, you should know then that the events of WandaVision will tie directly into this film. Oh, no. So now we're, we're going to have to so watch WandaVision. Have to watch WandaVision. <laughs> These people, they're smart. They know, they know. <laughs> uh, we got next up is a television show. Why don't you tell us about it? It's a character I think you like more than yeah, I do. Yeah, so next up is uh, Loki on Disney+. Plus. Um, I, think, I think Loki is such an intriguing character, and I think everyone really enjoyed his time on screen, whether he was on the side of the good guys or the bad guys at that point in time. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. Of all the TV shows that they mentioned, well, I mean, we, we're going to talk about two more uh, TV shows, but so far, 
I think that this is this is highest up on my list. I think I'd go Captain the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I guess so. Over I this. guess so. I well, guess so. you're allowed to have a different opinion. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then following up after that in summer 2021, also a Disney Plus uh, series is something called What If. Now, Dan, I have absolutely no idea what this is. So it's kind of cool. It's an animated series, and it's kind of its own separate thing. And it asks questions about the Marvel Universe. What if? What if things went differently? For example, what if Peggy Carter picked up Steve's shield to become Captain America? Uh, all different. I guess every episode is going to explore like a different timeline for a character if something different had happened. Uh, they have all of the star power coming back to provide the voices of the characters. That's cool. They got Mark... Uh, yeah, Mark Ruffalo, Michael B. Jordan, Josh Brolin, Samuel L. Jackson, Haley Atwell, Chadwick Boseman, Paul Rudd, Michael Douglas, Karen Gillan. Everyone's coming yeah, back just yeah. to do voice. I guess when you tell a celebrity, we'll give you a ton of money to come for one day and just you do voiceover work. You be on yeah. screen. Chadwick Boseman could be like on a beach recording lines in his phone yeah, and yeah, sending, exactly. it, sending it to Marvel. <laughs> be like, here you go. But you know what? It's kind of cool. Uh, and the the main character is, some, is something called The Watcher, voiced by Jeffrey Wright, who seems to be everywhere. Yeah. Um, I'm, it's it, it doesn't seem it's like it's an intriguing idea. It's, and it's not going to be imperative to the universe. It's all like a side thing. It's kind of just like a fun. I, I was going to say a fun what if, but that's kind of like answering with no some pun of those intended. Like fan questions uh, that have been put out there in the whole world. But a television show that is directly um, tied to the series is Hawkeye. Yeah, this is another kind of meh for me. Hawkeye isn't even a superhero. Like, I'm sorry. Let's get it out there. No, he has no superpowers. Correct, but you're not saying something new. That's, this is something that every fan talks about, and it's kind of known. And they, they even made a joke about it in so Avengers Endgame. So what are we supposed Endgame. to see? A normal man Shooting have arrows. a family? And he's going, I don't know. Uh, all I know is anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not addressing it at you. <laughs> anything that gives me more Jeremy Renner, I'm a fan of. I know. I love him. But like, I, we don't need this show. Let him do something else. Jeremy Renner is one of the most interesting actors out there right now because you can't tell. if I, I don't know if he's a joke or if he's serious or if he's in on the joke about himself. Jeremy Renner is, for those of you who don't know, one of the best uh, house flippers in Hollywood. He's <laughs> he, he acts. Wait, what? <laughs> he acts to supplement his real estate job. He buys. He's like one of the top real estate agents in Hollywood. It's his passion. He loves it. Acting is just something he does on the side. Oh, you know, I'm just a movie star on the side. Well, and when he's not doing that, look him up on Spotify. He's got a couple singles out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm dying. And like, I feel like if there's any actor who ends up in Nicolas Cage territory in. 20 years it could be jeremy renner oh man like the whole manic like kind of in on the joke about himself but kind of not i don't know i love him i'm a huge fan i have listened to his spotify about five or six times is it good it's not awful <laughs> when we lead out today we'll put the jeremy renner song we'll put a jeremy renner song for everyone to to listen to now next up is the final one that is actually that actually has a release date mm-hmm. and it's a biggie it's one that i don't want to wait until 2021 for yeah this is called uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, it's the next Thor movie. <laughs> well, the big news surrounding this yes, is that ahead. Taika Waititi is back on board for this. He was supposedly done with the Thor franchise. 
Uh, we didn't know what we were going to get with Thor. We didn't know if he was just going to be part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they, we'd get another Guardians movie with Thor included. Uh, after Endgame, he was with the Guardians. Mm-hmm. But now it looks like he's getting his own movie. Taika Waititi, who single-handedly resurrected the Thor franchise, which was the weak link of Marvel for a very long time until he came along. He revitalized it completely. And now this is something that we're super excited for. Um, Valkyrie, they announced that Valkyrie's status of the fir- is, will be the first openly LGBTQ superhero in the Marvel mm-hmm. Universe. Um, and then, uh, the, big, the other big news. Yeah, they are going to be joined by Natalie Portman as the Mighty Thor. Natalie Portman, who, after doing the first, I think she was in the second Thor? Uh, she was in one of them. She was like, but like, and then did like not come back. Second. Like, she wasn't like. Well, no, she, was, she, no, she was the main character in, I think, Thor 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> Another one that you watched <laughs> on Wikipedia. Um, but did not come back, had contract disputes, and apparently was not on good terms. But this just goes to show when you throw money at someone, all you can, hand, you can fix any issue. Any problem is so, better. Like a couple of years ago, Daniel Craig was saying that he would never, ever, ever play James Bond again. And here we are in a year where James Bond's coming out. It's, money can cure all. Yes. Uh, but female... Yeah, the female mighty Thor. Thor, female Thor. Hell yeah! This is. I think I'm. I think this is going to be a great movie. I'm very excited for this. I think this is going to be a great movie. Um, yeah. I think they know. Every, the, the formula. The formula is here. The formula is here, and it's perfect. I think. I agree. Um, this is something they scheduled it latest of all the things. I think it's just in case the reception to the other things aren't as strong. It's something that people are always going to have to look forward to. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think conspicuously missing, though, are things that people expected to be announced. Things like a Black Panther 2. Right, and we, we, we know we're going to get that at some point. I think people expected it in the earlier phases, or in the earlier parts of Phase 4. Um, maybe they wanted most of Phase 4 to be these kind of like more experimental reintroductions. Um, but I was... I personally was surprised to not see a release date out there for something like that. So Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2, and the next Guardians of the Galaxy films mm-hmm. are all listed as a to be determined. They're not officially in this uh, wave of films. Also listed as a to be determined, Blade. Oh, right. I can't believe we didn't talk about Blade oh, I, we, I wasn't going to let us not oh talk God. about Blade. Okay. Blade is joining the Marvel Universe, and the perfect actor to play Blade will be playing Blade. Mahershala. Mahershala Ali. It was, it's perfect casting. There was nobody else. You know Marvel was going to do whatever they had to do to get him to play it. Um, I actually heard that, I, I don't remember where I heard this, maybe in an interview, He after he won his Oscar... He called his agent and he said, I want to talk to someone at Marvel. I want to be Blade. Wow. I mean. And now it's happening. So it's just one of those things where it, it just, everything fits, everything yep. works. And you know what? Shout out to uh, Wesley Snipes because Blade, the original Blade series, is actually really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so give that a look. It's kind of, it stinks that Wesley Snipes, he wouldn't have the tax problems he had if he got in now with <laughs> under the Marvel <laughs> umbrella. Um but yeah, so we have a lot to look forward to with Marvel. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it for our news today. Let's head in. In a world. In a world. 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 In a world. So first off in the trailers we're going to talk about is a trailer that took the internet by storm upon its release. I'm talking, of course about Tom Hooper's Cats. 
Cats is a Broadway show that everybody's heard of, but I feel like not a lot of people have actually seen. They don't know what it's about. They just know it's a bunch of weird cat people running around. That's all I know. And everyone knows the one song, Memories. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows Memories. I know my, my fantasy football team last year was named Bustafer Jones because there's a fat cat, I guess that's James Corden in this, named Bustafer Jones. And there's a whole Are song. Are you assuming that it's James Corden because he is overweight? I'm assuming it's James Corden because the casting is out and he's, <laughs> and he's Bustafer Jones. Although when they when they did just announce the actors in it, everyone was like, oh, he must be Bustafer Jones. Yeah. But I think Bustafer Jones is an awesome name. Um this is either gone. This is oh man, this this is going to be entertaining no matter what. It's either going to be an epic, epic disaster, or they're going to somehow pull it off, and people are going to say, "How the hell did they do that?" I don't think, I don't understand why the show was as wildly popular. I've seen the show. I don't understand why the show is as wildly popular as it is, and I double don't understand why it's being made into a movie. Somebody had a vision. Somebody thought this was a guy. Now, it's Tom Hooper. Tom Hooper, um, he directed The King's Speech, which won Best Picture. Which I love He directed that Les Miserables, which got Anne Hathaway an Oscar. I actually think his last um, three films has resulted in a Best Actor or Actress nom. Okay. So someone, is, is Taylor Swift going to get it? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, it's a uh, star-studded cast, so it yeah. definitely had appeal. You don't know if they're just doing like, it they're for the trying, money. They're trying. They're trying. But the bit, like, I mean, all, all I've seen since then are people making fun of the way they all look. I, to see, like, it looks bad. Yeah. They look bad. They look bad. The, the like, way that the fur blends with their face was so not. So they're basically making them look like they are on stage. So, like, those are the costumes, basically, of how they are on stage. You're in these, like, skin-tight leotards and, like, weird cat fur things around their faces but like it's a movie it's not the stage and you have to you have to make it different i'm okay i'd, I'd rather not look like the lion king i mean i understand not like the lion king but there's something in between there there is something in between and like what looks good on a stage from far away does not look good on a close-up on a camera but i think the thing that everybody can agree upon is this trailer is something <laughs> <laughs> Something. If you haven't seen it, I advise you to check it out. For There was like a good two hours where it was all anybody was talking about. And people are kind of waiting with uh, bated breath to see what comes of this. Cause I think it's going to have a good opening weekend for that reason. We'll see. I, I mean, think people want to see if it's a train wreck. It could be. But it, this, it could be, this could be like Geely. This could be like that level of bad. Oh, man. But it could also not it be. Could, it could be great. Who knows? I mean, I don't think it's going to be great. I think it's I don't think it's worth having made, but like it could have it could be great. Well, based on the release date, the cast and the director, you know that the studio is shooting for, for awards. For awards, yeah. And speaking of movies that are clearly shooting for awards, next up, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Because if you, Nothing says the words like Mr. Like, Rogers. Like Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers. Oh, man. I mean, it's really good casting. Like, who else would have played Mr. Rogers? First off, nobody. There was just a documentary last year. There's nothing new that you can gain from watching this that you couldn't gain just from watching that documentary. And, look, it, if you've seen the trailer, it just looks like Tom Hanks in, in Mr. Rogers' outfit. Okay, I... I I agree with you. It makes me sad. I was watching it really, really wanting to be into it, but, like, you know Mr. Rogers so well, and you only see Tom Hanks there, and, like, the part of the trailer, right, is him uh, singing the, like, opening song. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day, blah, blah, blah. But, like, Mr. Rogers has such a distinct 
sound singing that song. He sounds like that, Tom Hanks, but, but like, but and and Tom, like Tom Hanks, like it's nowhere even close. It doesn't, it doesn't bring about, it, it didn't bring about the magic of Mr. Rogers to me. Uh, this is going to be a big hit, mm-hmm. undoubtedly. Our mothers are going to love it. <laughs> Both of them will go nuts. I think most people's mothers will love it. Um, it has, it's every, it's pretty basically a paint by numbers awards contender. I hope it's good, but. I'm, like, I've said this many times on the podcast before. I don't like movies where I'd much rather watch the documentary about the what the movie's about. I think that's fair. Um, now, the point I did bring up to you when we first watched this is um, the feeling that I'm having kind of right now about this movie was very is very similar to the when I watched the trailer for Saving Mr. Banks. Um, sure. Which Tom Hanks was also in um, about you know the story of how Mary Poppins came about and Walt Disney's relationship with the author of Mary Poppins and all of that. Um, and I absolutely adore that movie. Co- so I would love to. I would love if this was just the completely like, untrue, fabricated version of the story I of how fine. Mary Poppins came to be. I know, I know, I know. But <laughs> still, I I loved the movie. So I I can't. I don't know what. To well, you know what Miss Saving that. Mr. Banks was. It was a huge crowd pleaser, and that's what they're. That's what this. That's is what they're probably, going for here, and I think that they have a. They could have that. And in the trailer, the final scene of the trailer, when he's on the subway and the whole subway recognizes him and sings it, that's an that's awesome scene. Nice. That's that a great nice. scene. That was nice. That was nice. But I hope that that's like, there's more of that when you actually watch the movie and you're not just like, that was the moment and it was in the trailer. But like I said, I don't see myself coming away from that learning anything I didn't learn last year when we watched the documentary. All right. Uh, next up, we are going to talk about another uh, kind of resurgence of uh, older movies. Yes. And this one we're going to talk about is Top Gun Maverick. When did the first Top Gun come out? I believe it was 1986 or 87. I have to reach, double check that, but I think it was one of those years. And now we're, we're bringing it back. They're bringing it back. They have the original cast back. They have Miles Teller in mm-hmm. there. Um, it looks good. It looks it like looks it's... It looks really good, actually. I thought, I thought the trailer was great. Now, confirm this with me. I've never seen Top Gun. You have never either, correct? Uh-uh, no. That's going. That's like in the next couple of weeks we're going to oh, go watch we're, Top we, Gun. Like it was, it's been on, so I keep a running list in my phone of all the movies that we're like, we have to see, we have to see, we have to see. And it's a mixture of new movies and old movies that we know we haven't seen but we should. And Top Gun's been on that list for a very long time. And we just have never gotten around to it. And this was like, uh, well, like kick in the ass, get it done. And then this film isn't even coming out until next year. This is a very early trailer. But, but I'd it, rather, it's to get people. Yeah. I'd rather just see it just to see it. We, I'd rather see it, and I'd rather like allow myself to get more excited for this movie by having seen the original. This movie exists right in my week range, like the 1985 through 1995. I mean, is my, you were born. In I was 1986. born six, and then by like <laughs> in the early 90s, I wanted to see a lot of the movies that were rated R that I was not allowed to see, and then the movies like from the mid 80s. I remember my mom and dad would be like, "This movie's so good. Why don't you watch it?" And I'd be like, "No." You wanted to do watch a movie your parents. (laughs) I was like, "If you you say this movie's good, I don't want to see it." (laughs) How dare you even suggest such a thing? I was like, "I want to watch Child's Play." (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. And it turns out that they were right. Yeah. The one time they ever did, one time I was like, "Fine, mom, I'll watch Rain Man with you." And like, "Oh shit, this movie's awesome." Damn it, she's (laughs) right. I was like, "Oh, The Breakfast Club. This is great." Uh, but with this movie, you know, I, I don't, like I said, like you said, we haven't seen uh, the original, but you could see the clear homage to some of the famous scenes from that, some of, like throwbacks really for 
the fans in the trailer and the homoerotic uh, volleyball scene that is I've never even seen the movie but I've heard referenced about a thousand different yeah, times. Yeah, and, and they, the they, like, they bring motorcycle that back. Yeah. next to the plane, like all of that. Um, and most importantly, they're playing Danger Zone. <laughs> yes, <that's laughs> obviously most importantly. So uh, we're excited for that movie. Uh, if you haven't seen that trailer, you should check it out. And following along the same lines... A sequel to a slightly more recent film. Slightly, yeah. Uh, a good decade. A good, a good way decade. Way over so. a decade, actually. Um, um, and, and funnily enough, making fun of itself in that own sense, uh, is the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. It's literally called Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. And we don't have to take a lot of time to talk about this because it looks exactly like the first one. Yep. It looks like it knows it's exactly like the first one. Yep. It's not trying to change anything. Even Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is very self-referential in the fact that, like... It's it, them being the superheroes and, and, like... And, like, they know that they're in a movie. Yeah. And now they know that they're in a reboot. It's almost, it almost kind of reminds me of Scream, how, like, in, in, the, in Scream 2, they reference the fact that they're in a sequel many times. Yeah. Um, but more, it's more the same, more stupid uh, stoner jokes. And I don't say that in a condescending tone. I think those are funny. Yeah, I think the movies are very funny. And the thing that it's most known for is just crazy celebrity cameos. And the trailer did not disappoint in that sense either. I think we're getting a, a lot of the um, cast that we'd seen in the past and then a bunch of new people as well. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's always a winner. So you know if, you know if you're going to see this movie. You know if this is for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, enough said. And the final thing we're going to talk about was a quick 50-second uh, teaser trailer to a film coming out later this year, one that is now way up on my list of something I want to see. It's called Jojo Rabbit. So I hadn't heard of this at all until until you shared it with me, Dan. I thought you had. I thought we talked about it a little bit before. I don't think so. I hadn't seen... I hadn't seen anything about it, so I watched the teaser trailer kind of with no expectations whatsoever, um, and it, it looks really interesting. So it's a it's a satire on it's Taika Waititi. It's, this is his like side project in between the major Marvel films he's been doing, mm -hmm. and it's a satire about a boy in Hitler's youth, right? Yeah, it's you know just a buddy pal comedy about a boy and Hitler. Yeah, um, it, it, it's funny because. They actually had to like I, I, in the uh, in the teaser trailer. It had to specifically say like a satire of. Even so, there's I can't wait to see how many people don't understand don't, satire exactly. and get angry about this. Um, I think it also kind of gave me like a little bit of Wes Anderson vibes. The trailer. I think Taika Waititi is in the like he's like a where's he from? I like Norwegian or something, either. but like he he's a, he's a little Wes Anderson esque, and where he kind of like. When you watch a film, you can tell like it creates its own world. Yeah, kind you're, of. You're, you're not existing in the world that we all know uh, when you're watching this film, and it's clear that it's going to be like that from the teaser trailer. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm super, super, super yeah, excited. Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be pretty funny. <laughs> and Taika Waititi's on a hot on a hot streak. I can't wait until people get mad and call for Marvel to take him off of Thor because he did a movie. And one more thing, we have to move on, so we're not going to discuss this in depth, but just so the listeners know, there was a trailer released today for a film called The Fanatic, and The Fanatic is a film directed by Fred Durst that stars John Travolta about a film fan who stalks his favorite 
action hero. Oh, no. We live in a world where Mad Libs have just come to life. Oh, no. John Travolta stars, directed by Fred Durst, the lead singer of Limp Bizkit. Who actually has directed I, you, a film before? Okay, fine, but like for you, you guys can't see me now. But like, I literally have my hands up to the side of my face because I can't believe the sentence that that I just heard. And I, I we're gonna move on. I just wanted to say that sentence to have that documented. We're gonna, but if you think your jaw is on the ground now, later I'm actually gonna play it for you. I did watch it earlier, and your jaw will be even further on the oh, ground. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Uh, so that's it for our trailers, and I think it's time to uh, jump into our review of Midsummer. Absolutely, uh, Midsummer or Midsommar, as the film snobs are calling it. I refuse to call it that. <laughs> is the follow-up uh, to Hereditary, which, as you talked about earlier, it's one of the scariest movies you've ever seen. It was a huge hit last year, widely regarded as uh, a, almost a horror classic. Mm-hmm. And it was Ari Aster's first film, so this is this is only his second film that uh, he's uh, put out. This one stars Florence Pugh and Jack Rayner. A couple travels to Sweden to visit a rural town's fabled midsummer festival. Uh, what begins as an idyllic retreat de- devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Because Ari Aster just can't stay away from those pagan cults. No, he cannot. <laughs> what did you think of the movie? You... As scared as you were of Hereditary, and I witnessed this woman waking up in the middle of the night screaming because of Hereditary, <laughs> as much as you were afraid of it, you liked it. And uh, you th- yes, I liked Hereditary. I did I, not. I really, I, the more and more I sat and I thought about Hereditary, once I got over how absolutely horrified I was, um, I really liked it. So I went in with a mixture of um, hope and high, high anxiety at the idea of watching Midsummer, um, thinking that I was going to be, like, thinking that basically I wasn't going to sleep that night. And um, I didn't think it was, I, didn't, I honestly didn't think it was scary at all. It is absolutely not as much of a horror film as Hereditary mm-hmm. was. It's There's, super creepy, don't get me wrong, it's but it was, creepy, it's not it's, scary. It's uneasy, it's anxiety-inducing. Yes. But it's also, like, it's a dark comedy a little bit, too. There's some funny-ish moments that you feel uncomfortable over the fact that it's funny, but, like, you know it's funny. Um, I think on the overall, it's not what I wanted it to be. I think I left super perplexed. Um, It definitely was something that I had to read about afterward. It's definitely something that I thought about afterward, and I think that that was part of the point of the movie. But um, overall... um, I think I was hoping for something more out of out of this. There there didn't feel there didn't feel like a purpose in the movie to me, if that makes sense. It makes it makes sense. I think I under his purpose is deal is kinda like hereditary in that it's showing how somebody deals with a, with family trauma, with a traumatic event that happens in their family. Um Ari Aster is a master at creating suspense. He his films are beautiful to watch. Yes. But I didn't like Hereditary, and overall, I did not like this, because narratively, I just don't like his films. It's weird as hell. You don't like the story Correct. that it's telling? Yes. And this, I wanted this film to make me go WTF, and it, other than the visuals and the, the pagan cult stuff, not, like everything that I expected to happen, happened. Like, if you didn't, uh, can is this going to be a spoiler review? I feel like it probably should be. 
Uh, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah. You know going... We're going we're gonna to forewarn you here. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you want to see it and you don't want the movie to be spoiled, please stop listening and um, we'll, we'll get back to you for the Quentin Tarantino stuff. There's no surprises whatsoever. If you didn't foresee this girl who's reluctant to go on the trip eventually like succumbing to the cult and becoming one of them i saw that coming 20 miles away okay so do you see that coming in like the trailer you mean or like when i read the synopsis or once i saw that oh this girl was kind of not supposed to go she's reluctant like you knew she was gonna be. I was like, she's going to become ingrained with them. And I she's... thought something was gonna like happen to her. Like I thought, I thought that they were gonna like. I thought that she, until we until they got to the part. So there's a part where they're like, they're so, they're doing this festival and like there's a competition basically between all the women. It's like a dance competition, and if you stay dancing the longest, you become the queen, right? Like that was queen festival or something i forget what it's called and before they actually have the contest they hint at that they show like a, a wall that has a picture of all the previous queens uh-huh and if you didn't know when they showed that oh that girl is going to end up on that wall she's going to end up the queen but i thought that it meant something different like i thought it meant that she i thought she was going to die let's I, put it that i thought that she was going to die i thought it was going to end up being like the entire movie and maybe it's because of because of hereditary and because of my preconceived notions going into what this movie was going to be, I was waiting at every turn for this to turn into a horror movie. And I was waiting for the moments where she realized what was going on and started screaming and running around and trying to fight for her life, and that didn't happen. But everybody else is a very... Every other character is extremely underwritten. There's no Mm -hmm. depth to them. They're stereotypes. And they're so clearly going to die before they die. Yes. Um, you know you know exactly when they're all going to die. So I will say one thing that we might argue about and disagree upon. Okay. I have so much sympathy for the shitty boyfriend character, Christian. So I don't actually disagree with you. Um, he's a shitty boyfriend. He's a shitty boyfriend. He's an absolutely shitty boyfriend, and he needed to, like, stand up and break up with her. But, but he didn't deserve for her to send him to his death. He didn't do anything to make you want to kill him and i understand you're supposed to see that the character danny is in such a vulnerable state and she has nobody she has no family nobody who she can like express her feelings to and she finally has that at the end but she kills somebody she becomes a murderer yeah just like the rest of the cult though that's i think like that was it that was her final step into deciding these are my people now, not just like going along with something that they'd been doing um, and that she just kind of was like floating along and not really an active participant in. That was her making the decision that like my old life is no more. So within four days, you can become, you can go from a very, very nice, meek woman to I'm just going to be with this murderous cult forever. I mean, I guess so. Yo, that must suck. Like, look, when you're... (laughs) As someone who's been in a relationship longer than I should have been when I should have just stepped up and broken it off when, uh, like, way earlier on, like, how much would that suck to be in that spot and then that girl's sister kills herself and her parents and you're in a spot where you cannot break up with her? I mean, yes, I feel for that. but And I'm glad you brought up that part of the movie. Um, we'll get back to that in a second. But, like, I feel for that. I absolutely do. But you also need to, like... 
I, maybe easier said than done. I don't know. But you like, can't also, just... you no, not immediately. But you need to gauge the amount of time and like how you handle those things. And like, he also wasn't handling the rest of their relationship appropriately either. Like well, he shouldn't have invited her on the trip. He didn't even tell her he was going on the trip. Like the trip was actually supposed to be like the thing he did that made her break up with him. He wanted her to break up with him. She was like. I'm going to plan this trip with my friends and I'm not going to tell my girlfriend. And she found out by accident a week before the trip. And then instead of being like, instead of it ending in a fight and her being like, what the hell? And them breaking up, he invited her to go with. Well, you're missing, you're, you're forgetting one thing. She gets mad about it and then apologizes for getting mad because that's the character like a, that she is. No, they have like a, like a weird, like unhealthy relationship the way that they handle each other in I mean, every she way. apologizes for getting mad at mm-hmm. him for booking a month-long sweden trip without her yes and then i guess out of guilt he invites her which he doesn't even tell his friends about until last minute well, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's he, a shitty person he's, he's not just a bad boyfriend he's, he's a shitty, shitty person, person. <laughs> and then the whole thing where he's going to do the same thesis idea as his friend he, he's, yeah like he's, he's a bad guy but he doesn't like, deserve to die i agree i agree but like the other guys weren't bad guys either, and they didn't deserve to die. Like, that's not the point of the movie. You have to look past that. I, like, you have to look past that a little bit. I just wanted a little bit more... And look, I actually like... I like when a film will kill off a character that doesn't deserve to die, because I think that it adds to the element of surprise. It's yeah. Game of Thrones season one. <laughs> but I think, like... I think you're just, like, dissecting parts of the movie that, like are not worth dissecting. I just don't... And I, I I think it's too crazy of a transformation for the for Danny's character for me to believe it. And I disagree. I other, think she was at her, like, most vulnerable that she'd ever been. She was also heavily under the influence of some type of psychotic drugs. Yes. And feeling like she had people who were emotionally supportive for the first time in many, many years before even her parents and her sister died. But... It, for so many years, this is supposed to be, Ari Aster is supposed to be like a new, uh, uh, elevated horror is what they call it. It's a terrible term that a lot of people don't like, but a lot of critics like to use it. Uh, it's, it's supposed to be better than like the slasher films of the 80s and 90s. But these secondary characters are just as one note as like the slut from the Friday the 13th movies and the jock from the Freddy. Like from all, they're just as one note, just slightly different. Uh, I wish they were they had a little bit if their characters were a little bit more drawn out. I guess. I guess. But I didn't feel that way about Hereditary. I felt that all the characters were appropriately drawn out in Hereditary. I just feel that way about this one. I actually agree with you. I think... I didn't like Hereditary. I think Hereditary is a better film than this. I agree. Hands down, Hereditary is a better film than this. So, um, And the- interestingly enough, like, he, you know, everyone's talking about horror, like him being, like, you know, the next great in the horror genre and elevating it and all of that. Um, I read a Reddit AMA that he did, and he talked about what his next projects might be, and he's more interested in going towards, like, uh, for his next couple projects into, like, these, like, over-the-top melodramas and, like, dark comedies instead. Whatever gets him away from the pagan cults is fine with me. he's super into the cults. He he said that he doesn't consider this a horror film either. He considers this a breakup film is what he said. Yeah, he said he actually based, based it off of his own experiences where he was both uh the like the the girl in the scenario what was her name danny danny where he was both danny and christian in different parts of the breakup and he kind of like was trying not to take sides almost 
got he's, he's got a messed up mind that Ari oh, Aster. But he, he is a fucked up human being. Oh, look, I didn't. Li- I'm 0 for 2 in his films. This actually it's very similar to Us, where the guy came, com- comes out with his debut directorial debut horror film that mm-hmm. is very very highly regarded. And at least in my opinion, the second one is a little bit disappointing. But I still think he's talented. I think you can't watch a film he does and not see that he has as little something special. I'm very interested to see what he does next. But yeah. th- this just didn't do it for me. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. Um, one thing that I'll say, I also read from his Reddit AMA to look forward to um, in all of his films is that he feels uh, like, I, I don't know why, he didn't go into it much, but he has a thing about head trauma and seeing weird, gross things happen to people's heads so we can expect that in future films as well. And there's a lot of weird, gross things, period. Not just heads. Not just to people's heads, but like in general. Um, so because of that, because this is weird, because it's different, I'm, I'm automatically going to give it a five, even though I didn't like the rest. I've said this many times. I would rather somebody do something different and it be a failure than someone paint by numbers and have it be okay. He tried. Uh, it's well done. It's well made. It's never actually... I was going to say it's never boring, but it actually does drag a little bit in the second half. It drags a little bit. But Ari Aster does get points for me just for trying something unique and for making a beautifully shot film. So yes. I, I give it a 5 out of 10. I think that a 5 is a fair score. I lean between a 5 and a 6 um, because, like you said, like I think part of his art is is his ability to draw out scenarios and kind of build suspense with the amount of time that he takes to tell certain parts of the story. Um, and, I, and I appreciate that. And the visuals were beautiful. Um, it is super unique. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll give it like a five and a half, just like a slight tick over what you're giving it. Um, but I don't need to see it again. Um, Great I feel like I read everything I need to read about it. I don't feel like I need to overanalyze it anymore, all of that. And the one thing we haven't mentioned yet, I don't know how we avoided it, but Florence Pugh is great. She is having a moment. She's in the Black Widow movie. Yes. She's then in the Little Women film that Greta Gerwig is directing. So she's kind of having herself a little uh, breakout renaissance. She was in Fighting With My Family earlier this year. I thought she was excellent in this film, and I think she is like atop the list of people who are going to be very, very big very, very soon. I, I would agree with that. I thought that she did a wonderful job. Um, I don't think anyone else was really given no. anything to work with to even talk about, unfortunately. Um, but she she stood out in, in, a, in a good way. There was, it was her. It was whether... Bargain bin uh, Chris Pratt is what I call them. You called him Jack S- Reiner. Yeah, bargain bin Chris Pratt. He looks Pratt. like a. Uh, you say he looks like Seth Rogen. Yeah, he looks like Seth Rogen, like a little skinnier. He's the older brother in Sing Street, by the way. Oh yeah, well, I didn't know that actually. But there's yeah, a kid from she- More Than Millers, <laughs> and then there's Cheaty. That was that was that was the group. <laughs> All right. Uh, Midsummer, five out of ten for me. And a five and a half out of ten for me. All right. All right. So this is the fun part of our episode. We are going to talk about Quentin Tarantino. Uh, If you don't know by now, I know that some people have a love-hate relationship with Quentin Tarantino and his films and his writing style and all of that. Um, Dan and I, we are Tarantino fans, like, through and through. I'm not saying everything he does is great. No, of course. Overall, yes. I don't think that he could come out with a movie that I wouldn't see. Okay, fair. I agree. You know, like because the expectation is there, and I want to give every single movie that he does a shot because I enjoy him. Sure. Um, so we are going to go through, uh, like Dan said, there are eight films of his 
core ten that he says he's going to be put out, putting out. Um, this weekend there will be nine. This weekend there will be nine, but we're going to talk about uh, the eight that have been out already, and we're going to rank them. So what we're going to do is we're each going to say our bottom four quickly. We're not going to talk in detail about them. All right, but I want to say some, like, little things. Fine. But we'll, we'll, go, we'll go quickly. Yeah, okay. Okay, so why don't we start with your number eight? My number eight is... Believe it or not, some people's number one. I really dislike it. Uh, Django Unchained. All right. I thought it was, I think it's his most boring. Aside from, like, it was Leonardo DiCaprio's first appearance in a Quentin Tarantino film, which was kind of cool. But other than that, it just didn't work for me. Um, Christoph Waltz somehow won two Oscars for playing the same character (laughs) in two separate movies. Yeah. Uh, It just, I don't know. It it didn't do it for you. Yeah, I, I don't even have that much like criticism for it. I just didn't like the movie that much. That's fair. So I actually have um, Django Unchained at my uh, number seven. So I a- also am not, I was also not a fan. Um, I, it's not that I wasn't a fan. I just, it didn't do it. It didn't do it. And I, you know, I didn't think that the story was you know, what I had expected it to be. I didn't think that all the characters meshed together in the way that I wanted them to. Um, yeah. And it was especially was disappointing coming off of Inglorious Bastards, which was similar in the fact that it was like a, a rewriting of, of history, history and like mm-hmm. what we wish had happened. So we kind of wanted it to be on Inglorious's level. But as you'll see later in our list, I think both of us hold that one in a much higher yeah. esteem. Uh, so my number eight was actually Kill Bill 2. And that's just because I'm a bad person and I haven't seen it. You can't put it after a film that you've seen then. I'm, what am I supposed to do? Leave it off to this Okay, I'll leave it off the list. So Django was my last place one. Okay. Then, okay? Uh, what's your number seven? My number seven was Hateful Eight, which I thought was fine. Uh, it was very, very long. It's... Quentin Tarantino's films are known for their dialogue and for characters going, like, being witty. And I thought the dialogue was more boring in this one than other ones. I know, like, he filmed this a very certain way, and he wanted theaters to show this on a very specific type of film. There was a way that you were supposed to see mm-hmm. this. But you can't do that nowadays, because most people... He wanted it to be, like, western-y looking. And he wanted it to be on, four, I think it was 40-millimeter film. Uh-huh. And it, but, like, you can't... That's just not how people are watching movies nowadays. I watched this at home on the couch. I don't know if watching it on 40-millimeter film in a big theater would have changed my mind. Overall, I thought it dragged a little bit, and the payoff wasn't great. Uh, it was still a watchable film, some good performances, but just didn't like it that much. That was also next on my list. Um, I thought it was semi-forgettable. Yeah, I think, Unfor- a- I think, unfortunately. And that's so good. When, when you go into a Quentin Tarantino film, that's the last thing that you expect. Uh-huh. It's forgettable. I remember certain pieces. I remember Jennifer Jason Leigh. I thought it was incredible. I remember her, too. That's, like, the one thing that I think of. But but could, could I tell you details of that plot right now? No. I couldn't. I remember Channing Tatum showing up at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, but other than they're that, all, like, stuck in a bar or saloon and shooting each other at different points. And, but you could say that basically about any Tarantino movie. So um, it's there for me because... It, because it was forgettable. Okay. And to follow up on how you said you had Kill Bill as your fake seven or whatever. Uh, I had, The next two on my list are Kill Bill 2 and 1. They're very well-made movies. They feature great performances. This is good Tarantino. This isn't, like, I actually can't say they're bad. They're just a homage to a genre that I never really got into. I think that's fair. Like, it's a um, homage to Kung Fu. Kill Bill, so our, basically our, our, you know, four through eight, or five through eight are basically this, the same. I have Kill Bill next on mine as well. Um, 
I, I thought it was really good. Like, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't think it was on the same level as the others. And people know Tarantino's story by now. He was a no, but he was working in a video store just to be around movies, and mm-hmm. he was just completely obsessed. And you do see in the Kill Bill films, like, how much he loved those, like, kung fu films of the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Carradine, who was in those movies, he got to come and star. Uma Thurman's a great, yeah. uh, a great hero. It just, for, it didn't, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that they're bad movies. It just they, didn't do it, it for didn't you. It didn't connect with me it because because I'm not a kung fu movie guy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really fair. I mean, I don't think that's anyone. I, I think most people who are Tarantino fans, even if you're a kung fu person, probably that's probably not number one on their list, but they, some people probably have it a little higher. Yes, and also the other controversy is, is it one or two movies? Some people think, some people consider it one long movie. I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, my, my answer was I had to pay twice, so it counts as two movies. Okay, there we go. All right, so let's get into our top half. Yes, these ones will go into a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you want to give me a shot? Give my number four? Yeah, you go first. All right, so my number four is Jackie Brown. It's my number four as well. We can get into this. All right. We're not going to have that much different, different yeah, opinions Yeah, I mean, I guess not, but, but we'll see. So uh, Jackie Brown... Um, we watched this last night, by the way, because I'd seen it before and, and you I had, had not. not. And I was like, I need to see this movie. Um, and I'm really happy that I did. Um, it was different. It was definitely different than other Tarantino movies. It was a lot less violent. Yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting. And, um, but I thought that the story was pretty badass. Story is great. It's, a, it's the only Tarantino directed film that is not off of a screenplay that he wrote himself. This was something he adapted from an Elmore Leonard novel. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually, he, sh- he sent it to Elmore Leonard and then didn't talk to him for a year because he didn't want to hear, he didn't want to hear Elmore Leonard rip it apart. Oh. And when they finally spoke about it, Elmore was like, I thought it was great. Like, you should have let me tell you that. <laughs> um, Quentin Tarantino changed the name of the main character. He changed the name of the, not of the movie. The, well, mo- the, the, the main character in the movie was named something It different. was Jackie something else. He changed it to Brown as a homage to Foxy Brown, which was the character that Pam Greer played yeah. in the 70s. Okay, okay. Also the basis of Foxy, Foxy Cleopatra from yeah. <laughs> Beyonce's character in uh, Austin of Powers course, 3. Of course, because how do we get through an episode without an Austin Powers 3 reference? Of course. <laughs> or, a Be- or a Beyonce reference. Um, but so he added his touches to it, but the base idea and the base story was not his. That's fair, and that's probably why, like, some of those things were different. Um, they weren't, like, screaming Tarantino style. Um, that being said, I thought that Pam Greer was phenomenal. I mean, she comes off the screen. She is a badass, like, just owns shit and plays, like, all sides that she needs to play so perfectly to me. Yes. I. Quentin Tarantino is known to take actors who were once big and bring them back into the spotlight. He did it with Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. He's done it many times. And he did do this with Pam Greer. Pam Greer was a star of what was called the black exploitation films of like the 70s. They were, they started African-American cast. Their, the characters were not well-driven, like, a, a black superhero would be named Shaft, like not very discreet, right. not very discreet there. Um, it was, looking back on it, it's very racist, but it was keeping a lot of black actors and actresses got work. Right. But Jackie Brown or Jackie um, Foxy Brown was one of them, and Pam Greer was. She was just known for being sexy. She never really got this roles with this kind of depth. 
she gets that here, and she's sensational. She kills it. Yeah. She, also, she's still freaking hot. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, she just she just brings so much power to that role, um, in in every way, and like going into it and not knowing and not knowing the plot really, um, and not knowing how things uh, kind of play out. You see her at the beginning, and you see you know Samuel L. Jackson's character coming to clearly kill her and threaten her, and like he's very aggressive. And then that switch, that switch from like this soft girl who was like scared to be in jail to this like badass, I'm in control of my own fate, and you are not gonna do this to me. I thought was so good, I, so good. I agree. Um, Pam Grier kicks ass. Uh, the only Oscar nomination this film got at all was Robert Forster for Best Supporting Actor. He played Max Cherry. I thought he was great, yeah, I lo- too. I'm a, I thought he was wonderful. I'm a, I'm a Robert Forster guy. I and like him. it was him. weird, right? Like, their chemistry is weird and uncomfortable, but it works. It really does work. You it believe wor- them. But you're also like, why? Why? I kind of feel gross looking at this. It's like a, but, like, it's a, it's like a really well-drawn-out relationship. It's not just some... Like, they don't we, just all of a sudden like... It's like, we're, they're the main characters, so we're going to give them a romantic subplot just because. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you see it evolve, and you see how it works, and, and it's really great. Yeah, I like it. There's a, there is a very large contingent of people who think this is his best-made movie, and I'm not going to argue with them. It's four on both of our lists, so we yeah. both we both hold, hold it in pretty high regard. Okay. Um. All right, so number three. I think our number threes are the same, and then we'll talk about two and one at the same time. Even I think our twos and ones are, are different. Okay. Um, so number three, I have Reservoir Dogs. I agree. That's my third as well. Okay. Uh, Go ahead. Take it away. All right. I mean, I mean, there's not very much bad to say about it. Like, it's a great movie. So basically what we're saying is this isn't a movie we both love. We just love two more of his films a little bit more than Exactly. This. Exactly. I think it comes off. This was this was his first movie, right? This it was his first movie. It's, he might have had like a small like short film or but something. But this was the first of the eight that, that came out of the eight that we're talking about. And when it premiered at Sundance, it kind of it created a buzz like none other. It uh-huh. was, it's like, it's kind of a landmark in independent cinema because it, it changed what you can do with an independent budget and with yeah. an independent film. But I also think, like, it kind of reads, like, looking at his whole list now, it reads like it's his first movie. Absolutely, yeah. You know? Not in a bad way. It's a great movie. It's awesome. It's so fun. It's smart. It keeps you on your toes. It keeps you engaged. You um, are, are into it the entire time. Um, but it reads like a first movie, I think. I mean, it's a hell of a first movie. It's a hell of a first movie, <laughs> but when you compare it to his other movies, you know it's his first. It's only you only said it because a lot of the things that he was experimenting with in this, he would later grow upon and that's and, what I mean. Build upon. Like when you're comparing it to the rest of his collection, you can t- you can tell that this came before he had refined those aspects. Yeah, and you could like, some so many things that if you were to go back and watch it right now, look like cliches, like the slow motion shot of them walking. They're not cliches. They started with Reservoir that. Dogs, and yeah. every other time you've seen it in pop culture was taken from him. Uh huh. Um, I like this movie. Great, great acting, great direction. It, it really introduced the world to this special talent. Uh, num- I think, yeah, just oh, the only reason it's not higher is because he has two masterpieces. Yeah. All right, so we have two movies left to discuss, and I think you and I disagree in terms of which order they go in. Yeah, but it's a mild disagreement. It's like they're both great. They are both great, but let's talk about it. All right, so at number two, you have Inglorious Bassett, I correct? do. So I have that at number one. Okay. And I have Pulp Fiction at number one. I have Pulp Fiction at number one, and I will say... You have Pulp Fiction at number two. At number two, excuse me. 
I will say, True Romance was a film he wrote and was going to direct and ended up not directing it. I think it was Tony Scott he gave it to. Okay. But if you actually see it, it has Tarantino fingerprints all over over it. That would be number two on my list if we were counting that. But we're not. But I, where would then where would the other movies go? So it would be you would you would go Glorious Bastards. Fi- I go Glorious Bastards. Glorious Bastards one. Oh okay. True Romance two, and, and then, then everything else would just slide okay. in. But point being, see True Romance is an incredible movie. Uh, okay. Now we'll go back to the discussion we're having. All right. So which do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's go to Pulp Fiction. All right. Let's talk about Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. So I I had a lot of trouble. Like the rest of my list, I felt was easy, and I feel like it was easy for you also. Like going going in that order, I couldn't decide which is my favorite. Um, I think that I saw both movies in different. Like Pulp Fiction, I was too young to see when it first came out, so I saw it later later on. I think I watched it at home with my dad or something. Like my dad was like, "You have to watch this movie." That's a good father, right? Yeah. <laughs> my dad is the one who introduced me to Quentin Tarantino. Um, my dad made me watch Uncle Buck with John Candy. So. No, we didn't watch that. <laughs> uh, and then I was old enough. I saw Inglorious Bastards in the theater on my own. Um, so it's it's clearly different movie going experiences, but Pulp Fiction is Pulp Fiction to me is is the classic Quentin Tarantino film. It is the it is the epitome of Tarantino, in in every way from the way that it tells the stories to the quick back and forth of the dialogue to the weird crazy interweaving of the characters and like these random quotable lines like. You don't quote any other movie, any other Tarantino movie, the way that you quote Pulp Fiction. I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I, he st- another thing that he started with Reservoir Dogs that became prominent in Pulp Fiction is playing with a linear time, mm-hmm. a timeline. Right. They're you not know, linear. They're not, you it's see, not linear. You, you see, see things them, happening all over the place. And you see from different perspectives, and it's excellent. It's things that for the next 10 years, so many filmmakers tried to rip off, and nobody could just do it as well as Tarantino did. The first time I saw Pulp Fiction, it blew my mind. It absolutely blew my Completely. mind. Completely. I brought John Travolta back to the spotlight. <laughs> um, there's just not enough positive things to say. It's an incredible movie. I think it's I think it's a perfect movie. I, don't th- I feel like the, I can't... I don't know what I would change about it. I literally don't know what I would change about it from the casting to anything. Like, I don't know what I would change about it. Reservoir Dogs introduce everyone to this guy, says, whoa, this guy is pretty cool. Then this comes out next and really cements him as that was not a fluke. This like, guy, this is it. This, this is something. Is, he is serious. Yeah. So that's why it's my number one because I don't know. I don't know how you put anything above it no matter how good it is. Did not win an Oscar. This is the famous year that Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, and Forrest Gump were all nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> Forrest Gump won the Oscar. Forrest Gump won the Oscar. <laughs> a lot of people resent it for winning the Oscar. Yeah. Either one of those films that they came out today would be the best film of this year so far. We got three all-time classics in one year. I, that Yeah, that was, that was quite a fucking year. But, uh, I, I mean, to me, to me, this is this is a perfect movie. So you put this at number one, and I certainly can't argue that because I have it at number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked Inglorious Bastards a little bit better. In the end, in the very final scene, when Brad Pitt is carving a Nazi swastika into Hans Landa's forehead, uh-huh. and he looks at his partner and he says, this is my masterpiece, I felt like that was Quentin Tarantino saying that to the, to the audience. I see that. I see that. Uh, and I think he thinks that, and I think that too now granted we are both jewish so the fact that i'm a jew might impact my feelings on this movie and make me like it a smidge more than a normal person yeah um although i do think most people i think wish I, yeah. it went this way in history I, I would hope so it is so fucking good 
Um, I like Brad Pitt's character. A lot of people, a lot of people say that's the one detraction from the film. No, I love Brad Pitt's character in this. Like, the, I feel like seeing that, seeing him in that, like, was it, it like. It brought it, it gave me a new level of respect for Brad Pitt. Like, hey, look at you. Some people don't like, like the way he played the character. I agree. Some people don't like the way he played the character. Okay. Um, just the whole concept of the, everything from. Oh man, I'm just trying to think of what scene is the best. Uh, everything from just the concept of having this group mm-hmm. of bastards who are whose job is to kill Nazis, and the way. Oh man, we have to talk about Christoph Waltz because before we realized that he could only play one character and he plays that character in every film. He blew us away with that performance yes. before we knew. Uh played uh, Colonel Hans Landa, who is more evil than Hitler in this movie. Yeah. It's unbelievable. From the he's in the from the, he's in the first scene. The first scene is is incredible. Oh my god. When you see him interrogating a a French man who is hiding uh, Jewish refugees in his floor. Underneath his floor, yeah. And it really sets the tone as to what kind of guy he is, a guy who comes off as a charming man, uh-huh. but who is pure evil. Uh-huh. But you kind of understand, like, why people bought his shit, because as evil as he is, he, he has all the... He was the Nazi char- propaganda machine. And he has all the charisma in the world. Yeah. Um, we, one scene that I want to bring up in a, in a, like, along those lines is the scene where... Um, the girl who what, what's what's the girl's name, like the that is um, Shoshana. Shoshana. Yes. So Shoshana, you know, get, gets away at the beginning, and she grows up to be like, and she's in hiding basically, but living out in the open. No one knows that she's a, a Jewish girl. She successfully integrated herself into France as a French as, as a, a French, French woman, woman as a, as a non Jew, and it's an, and she's living her life, and she kind of gets caught up with this like Nazi who this Nazi soldier who is pursuing her and ends up at a restaurant with the Hans Landa with Christoph Waltz's character and the entire scene you you know she recognizes him you know she's having a panic attack she's trying not to lose her shit but like you kind of also maybe think that he recognizes her and is fucking with her and you, but like, but like, you know that he doesn't, but like, you also kind of feel that way. And then he's eating that like cream. Wait for the cream. Yes. Oh, and man, and that... like the loud chewing, obnoxious noises that he's purposely doing. And like the whole scene is so, it, it, it gives me anxiety thinking about it, but it's such a good scene. Because uh, Christoph Waltz's character is just so smart and always a step ahead that you're like, wait, does, there's like, no way, he doesn't recognize like, her. There's, there's, no, no, there's way. no way. There's no way. But like, maybe. maybe? <laughs> But you keep going back and forth the entire time, and, like, I still don't know the answer. I think there are a few scenes that are absolutely classic, absolute classics that you can argue is the best. That's certainly one of them. The f- opening scene with the mm-hmm. with the man, with the farmer, and then the scene at the bo- at the underground bar. Yes. Where it turns out being a standoff. Yes. And, I mean, it's just, it's, what we're talking about with Pulp Fiction, with the dialogue, this rivals it in, with the dialogue, with... You watch the back and forth and like switching between German and English. And for like, thirty minutes, you watch them play drinking games with each other, and it's never not enthralling. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, th- yeah, I love this film. I think it's incredible. It's definitely like a top twenty ever movie ever. Like ever, there. yeah. I, would, I, I could I could buy that, and I could. I don't know. I could maybe be convinced to switch mine around, but because I really I love. No, stick with your guns. But, but you you thought it out. Fiction is like. Like, all these scenes that we're talking about, like, there are those scenes in Pulp Fiction. I just think we're, like, 
more used to them. That's because like, when we got to three, two, and one, all we're doing is just talking about scenes we like because there's not anything There's nothing bad, bad to say. There's nothing, the only thing I will say, I didn't in, in Inglorious Bastards, I didn't like Mike Myers. I knew you were going to say that. Like, I didn't think that was necessary. Yeah, Mike Myers got to show up for one day and be, yeah, in, be like, in a Tarantino film. It was too long film. of a scene. Like, it was too long and drawn out, and, like, he, he didn't add anything to the movie. It was just, like... I want to put Mike Myers in my movie. So I, it's funny. I actually thought he was fine. He, I, he didn't. He didn't add anything. Tarantino loves that kind of stunt casting, like put a guy who you wouldn't expect in there, and it doesn't usually take me out of the film. Ryan from The Office took me out of it a little bit. He's in this movie. Yeah. What? He's oh, one of the best. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's like the one guy who I'm just like I can't take that. I can't oh, I take him seriously. Remember, I didn't even remember that. So clearly that didn't bother me. <laughs> But, I mean, a very, very, very minor criticism. Yeah. I like the film a lot. Uh, 10 out of 10 for me. Uh, number one on my Tarantino list, at least for now. We will be seeing another one this weekend. Yes, we are so excited to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think this is, I think, like, the, the buildup for this, I hope, isn't ruining everything for me. But it's got the looks and feel of, like true Tarantino. And the initial buzz, I've, I've tried to avoid as much press as possible, but the initial buzz that I have seen is that it's dividing people up. Some people are saying it's one of his best and some people aren't liking it. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I like it like that. Yeah. Um, we will be back next week to talk about this film. We're going to try to come back, come at you a little more often. It's been a very, very long, hot summer here. There's not been a lot of good films out, so our episodes have been a little more sporadic than we like but we're hoping to end that there's a lot of stuff coming out soon a lot of stuff coming out Hobbs soon. versus Shaw coming out oh, soon. oh god <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you I got tickets to a press screening of uh, scary stories to tell in the dark oh I told you I'm not seeing that movie well, that's we will have this discussion off of you <laughs> I assure you Elisa we'll be seeing this movie I have not seen that movie I will promise all of you that right now Dan is you saw Pond's Labyrinth yeah but this is different this is different Pond's Labyrinth is not like, it's not, it's Pond's Labyrinth is supposed to be a non-scary movie that has to do with scary-looking monsters. This is literally based off of scary stories. Do you, there's a fucking spider growing out of a girl's <laughs> cheek. I'm not seeing this movie. All right, well, one thing we know we're seeing for sure is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we'll have that. We'll probably have another film to talk about as well next week. And we will see you very soon. Any sign-off words from you, Elisa? Just uh, if you happen to see the movie, you want to join the conversation, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Anseen, A-A-A-N-D-S-E-E-N. And uh, we want to hear your thoughts. Yep. All right.